today I am happy to have my friend Daniel Tate. We are going to talk about Energy Alabama. Daniel was a part of Deep Roots of Alabama, which was a nonprofit that I did a few years ago. Yeah, it has been <laughs> Garden a few Health years. Education. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Before Germany. That's right. Getting folks but to. You're you still know, involved in yeah. the environment. I love to see that. Mm -hmm, for sure. Always trying to fight the good fight here and make Alabama a better place. So, yeah, doing yeah. what we can. That's right. That's right. So, you are the COO, Chief Operating Officer of Energy Alabama. Tell me about the company about energy alabama so yeah ceo of energy alabama and you know colleague of mine randy buckner he is the ceo um so we kind of run the organization and have some other colleagues as well uh john reuter he is helping to you know make sure we're resourced and staff but as an organization you know our mission is to accelerate alabama's transition to sustainable energy so we got a tall task right yeah. because we have very very little of sustainable energy here in the state uh, so we do that work primarily through kind of what we call our three pillars. Uh, that's education for us. That could be everything from like working K through 12 in schools with children, uh, helping them understand the technology like sure. STEM type of stuff or uh, also the policy barriers. Um, policy is the second uh, pillar for us. So we're, you know, always working from the state level down. So cities, utilities, uh, counties, uh, things like that, public service commission okay. to try to put a good policy in place to help uh, help sustainable energy grow. And what's, for, um, what's STEM for my listeners? Oh yeah, STEM is um, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Okay. Uh, so what Huntsville's known for, right? Uh, all the, all the techie <laughs> stuff. Um, all those rocket scientists and yeah, their kids. <laughs> that's right. So I have brilliant kids when we go into schools, you know, that have already been taught almost everything that I'm trying to to teach, right? Because we have some some genius parents at home, but. Um, but yeah, so uh, second pillar is is policy related work, uh, you know, trying to put in good policy, and frankly, in many cases in Alabama, trying to make sure that uh, we get bad policy either off the books or keep bad policy from going onto the books. Okay. Um, so, and then the third thing that we do sometimes as well is technical assistance. You know, if you go out there like I do and you preach the gospel enough. Eventually, somebody's going to say, "Okay, well, that sounds great, Daniel. So, how do I do that?" Right. And I can't just say you know, well, good luck. I'm glad you believe me now. Go have fun and, you know, best of luck to you. Yeah. So from time to time, we do help, you know, uh, companies or other nonprofit organizations, things like that to help, you know, save energy in their buildings or, you know, switch to renewables, things like that. So, um, yeah, we try to use our brain power to actually help projects get done. Yeah. And um, I, I see that uh, Tommy Battle and, and Huntsville is uh, really supporting you and, and hoping to uh, just create awareness really about um how to save energy or how to have alternate means of energy even for your home or your business yeah so. i think we're you know compared to the rest of the state of alabama we're you know we're, we definitely have a leg up you know here in, in huntsville and in north alabama uh compared to the rest of the state um you know, we still have a lot of work to do uh here and even in here in huntsville you know being as smart as we are um you know, we just have a lot of stuff, you know, ranging from simple things like land use, how, how we actually plan and, and use uh, our our land here in the city. And they're starting great. to be a lot smarter about that. And I think that the mayor has brought on some really good people on his team to help do that. Um, and then also, you know, energy efficiency and, and, and renewables, like you mentioned, things that we want to you know bring this into the county. 
uh, to help you know create jobs and the economic development that goes with this. I mean, a lot of people, rightfully so, think a lot about the economic benefits of you know their own back pocket. Like if I save energy, then it reduces my utility bill, and that is true, and that's very important. Uh, but if you're mayor battle or you're a policymaker, you also care a lot about you know how can I put folks to work? How can I make sure that that folks are are on a good pathway to take care of their families? Uh, and this is a really good, really good way to do that. Are, are there any um, like federal legislation or state legislation that's trying to, um, I don't know, to trying to help us be more energy conscious for Alabama? Uh, for Alabama, no, not really. We haven't had a lot of activity at the at the state level uh, in quite some time. Uh, really hoping that that will change here in the next you know year to two years. You know, we have an initiative that we're pushing now called Energy Freedom Alabama. Uh, that is about a policy called third-party ownership that allows really anyone, uh, individuals or, or companies, to, to buy energy directly from someone else other than their incumbent utility. Uh, so, for instance, if you live in Birmingham, your utility is Alabama Power. Um, there are a lot of solar providers that can beat their price, for okay. instance, and okay. you are uh, not allowed, for lack of a better way to put it, to buy that cheaper energy. And so we want to change the law, right, to increase competition. Why would it be allowed? <laughs> well, at least the, the statute in Alabama is uh, murky. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say it's illegal. It's just that it was written, you know, 100 years ago before, right. you know, any of this was really a, right. a possibility. So it was nothing nefarious. It's just that technology has progressed at a point to where uh, it's kind of made the policies on the, many of the policies on the books irrelevant, and we got to we have to update them and, and make sure that they can keep you know keep pace with technology in the market. Um, so and that's a, that's an initiative. When we were uh, living in Germany, almost I would say every house had solar panels, and um, after that initial cost, like our friends would say, the initial cost was higher, and then um, they have absolutely saved um, money on energy over the years and germany get has a lot of cloudy days like alabama has a lot of sunny days yeah so you know when i give presentations to the public i actually show a map of the united states and i show uh the average solar insulation um in in the u.s right and you look at alabama and we, we are not the desert south southwest of arizona but we are also definitely not Alaska. Right. And when you look at the map of the United States, you know, Alaska gets a lot less sunlight than Alabama. I mean, heck, anybody who lives in Alabama knows that it's hot here, right? Like, we complain the second we walk outside and it's humid and hot. Um, so we can't act like it's not. Uh, but when you look at the, the that map, Alaska's average solar insulation is very similar to Germany's, you know, and Germany has for years been the worldwide leader in deploying solar technology. So yeah. if Germany can do it with the technical capability or yeah. opportunity of a state like Alaska, then we sure as heck can do it here in Alabama. Well, I know my neighbor um, said the first year that was the most expensive. However, they also got a tax credit um, for changing over to solar. Um, and they have such really old houses, too, that they just refurbished, you know, the inside, too. So the... Um, the energy capabilities in their house too to make it better uh there's quite an incentive because a lot of them are old drafty <laughs> that's right it's, that's something that, that you know they do really well uh, europe as a whole does really well and and some parts in the u.s do a lot better than we here in in alabama do and that is you know just thinking about for instance that um it's a lot better to take our existing housing stock and to retrofit and to 
make that as efficient as possible uh, rather than continuing to grow out. So you hear a lot of talk about when I mentioned land use, like urban infill, and that helps with transportation. And, you know, there's just so many different things that we think of. It's not just electricity, right? It's right. transportation to move our vehicles. Yeah. The electric it's, cars we were just yeah. talking about. It, it's, yeah. it's city services that have to get all the way out to Limestone County. So all this, you know, takes and you have to take all that into account. And so a lot of places in Europe and some places here in the U.S. really put an emphasis on growing the city the urban core because, you know, densifying the urban right. core is one of the easiest, well, I don't want to say easiest, it's probably overstating, it's not easy, uh, but one of the best and most cost-effective ways to bring uh, communities energy consumption down. Um, is, is having people live in the city? Having people live in the city, densifying okay. the urban core, having, because when you densify, you, okay. then you have a lot of other opportunities. Like, uh, for instance, you hear a lot of people complain about public transportation here in like the city of Huntsville. Yeah. Well, we don't have the density that New York City has, for instance, or Paris. Oh, sure. You know, and so uh, could we do better? Heck yeah, we could do better, yeah. uh, even with what we have now. But as we densify, there becomes a lot more yeah. opportunity for the city to provide better services because there'll be enough people to use those services uh, when we have you know, a dense so urban core. So if you were a commercial uh, developer, you would probably want to look in the city of Huntsville or a city um, versus being out in suburbia sprawl um, just for that reason alone, right? Well, you would think, right? But this is where it gets into policy in, in the sense that our policies for development and, frankly, financial incentives that we give to developers have to align with our values and goals of the community. Okay. If you wanted to develop a new commercial property here in the area, uh, there are a lot of factors you're going to take into account, but a huge one is going to be the cost of the land. Uh, and it's going to be cheaper for you to build yeah, out because right. that land's going to be effectively worth a little less than, you know, a lot in downtown Huntsville. Yeah. Um, and there's a good reason for that. At the same time, uh, the city has an interest to try to keep you from doing that and say, well, what if we could provide a tax break or yeah. some other financial incentive to help you bring the overall cost of the development in the core down because that keeps us from having to run water and sewer and police All and fire new location right we already have this covered down yeah, here and yeah. so there's a lot less cost incrementally to the city uh, well, i can't to, get over how um the parkway has changed right in the five years i've been gone i we drove we drove down it and i thought wait a minute that's gone that's gone that's gone right. this is new this is new. Yeah. it's uh it's been really uh amazing because that part of huntsville has uh, has really changed in five years yeah i think what you're seeing too um you know there's a gazillion ways you can slice this apple, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be all like downtown Huntsville. And I think you see a concerted effort on the part of the city, um, knowing that Huntsville has an identity and also knowing that Huntsville has uh, a large geographic footprint is to create kind of mini cores, right? Throughout the, sure. the area that you have. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, you have areas like Providence. You have a growing area in South Huntsville. Mm -hmm. uh, can, can we really grow a core uh, in North Huntsville and, and start looking at, you know, you have uh, over the mountain and the Hampton Cove area starting yeah. to go. So you start looking at, okay, well. We've all, all yeah. over by uh, Stope House. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. where that's getting built up. Yeah. yeah. So. Pretty cool. Yeah, all, all so that's good stuff. Other forms of energy. Do we have any um, windmill farms? Do, is wind energy? Uh, wind is not 
not very prevalent here uh, in Alabama. There are a couple of spots in Alabama where wind is a feasible resource, but uh, Alabama is just not does not have as much uh, attractive resource as say the, the Midwest. So normally when you look at wind, it's actually cheaper to build it in the Midwest and then effect, effectively you're you know sending it over the grid to Alabama. Uh, the couple areas we do have, of course, are uh, the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at places like DeKalb County or Calhoun County, um, right there in the eastern part of the state on the border of Georgia. And then, of course, offshore. Um, there have been a, there's been a lot of movement in offshore wind. Okay. Uh, Europe, of course, took the lead on that. But U.S. has actually been doing a lot on offshore wind. So you start to see in the uh, northeast, okay. especially like Virginia up. I start to see a lot of activity with offshore wind. So, you know, Alabama could have some play there as well. Our biggest in terms of sustainable energy that, w- that we advocate for and that we have a good resource for, of course, number one, first and foremost, is conservation and efficiency. The cheapest energy is that which you don't buy, right? Okay. Um, and we can all do a better job of that. Uh, of course, obvious, the sun. So solar <laughs> is, is probably our biggest renewable energy resource sure. uh, here in Alabama. And then something that we talk a lot about, whether it be transportation or electricity, is the use of uh, storage. And that can be battery storage. Typically, people think about battery storage that way. But it doesn't have to be. It could be things like you know compressed air or other types of storage. Uh, for instance, there's a you know, facility just north of, of here in Tennessee, uh, the Raccoon Mountain pumped in, you know, hydro storage, okay. you know, pumping water up and sure. then when you have excess and then, then you know dropping it again when you need to use it to generate electricity so there are a variety of ways you can do that um but battery storage is usually what people refer to and so we you know help us john and i went to this um uh water mill i wish i remember the name of it in scotland oh wow and um it was built in the late 1800s by this guy who um there was a waterfall at the top of the mountain and he uh, the water naturally went down and he created a way to force it back up the hill and back into the waterfall and it it just circulated but it provided the energy for um you know in the early 1900s and so on um after that for the town mm-hmm. and it was really just incredible i mean it's still you can go see it and you, there's a yep. cave that they walk you in and yep. um that's amazing really incredible because it was reverse ah, i can't remember reverse water um <laughs> and it was like way ahead of its time like queen elizabeth came and and cut the ribbons in 1977 for um wow. the the reconstruction of it <laughs> wow yeah i mean we, we've been using we've been using the power of wind and water you know, as humans for a long time, yeah, yeah. even if it was just the the mechanical force behind it to like use the power of the water to turn a turbine or turn something well, the, to grind, the, the grind, mills right, that, to um, grind yeah. grains, you know, so yeah. um, we, we as a species have been very ingenious in finding ways to make life easier for ourselves, yeah. right? And so energy is right at the heart of that. Yeah, yeah, saving it too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, what is the North Alabama Buildings Performance Challenge? Well, I mentioned you know the technical assistance work that we do, where we we try to help companies or other nonprofit organizations save energy. This is kind of uh, a local challenge that we have, uh, which is you know modeled after something that the Department of Energy has been doing for quite a few years, okay. where 
you know, frankly, what you're doing is you're running a challenge and you're saying, hey, who can save the most energy? And companies, nonprofits, government agencies, whoever joins and they throw their building stock into this system that's called Energy Star Portfolio Manager. And it's just a way to track consumption. And you're competing, right? You're trying to see like, okay, can I save more uh, than the next guy that's like me, a grocery store versus a grocery store or something okay. like that. So it's kind of a friendly competition, but also a way for us, A, to raise awareness about these issues because almost invariably – when someone puts their their buildings in the database and we help them with that and help manage that, oh, that's awesome. um, yeah, that's awesome. You know, they look at that and go, "Wow, I didn't, I didn't really realize that that was what was really happening yeah. and how much I was really spending." And just kind of that general awareness uh, actually helped people save. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah. We all drive a vehicle, and I guarantee you that when our gas tank gets a little closer to E. We're driving a little bit more conservatively than when our gas tank lever is on full, right? Well, the same thing for your building. If you understand, you know, how your building's doing and you have to look at that, uh, you probably change your behavior a little bit. I I just got a new um, Kia Nero Eco Hybrid and I love seeing, so there's a tree on my little uh, dashboard screen, whatever, and um, it becomes green. Yeah. like with each leaf that I save and John loves it because he said uh, I know that you re- really want a full green tree right. so it slowed me down so That's it's right. changed my driving habits <laughs> but the other day it also tells you like um, it, which we cracked up laughing it tells me what how what my normal driving percentage is my uh, my economical and then my aggressive and so uh, on our church the on our way to church the other day, it said 1% aggressive. He said, you better get that down to zero right. before we go into church. Well, it's, funny. it's so funny how like you can sit here and preach the gospel, yeah, like yeah, yeah. save money and do all this, and like nobody really responds. But you put a game right in front of somebody. Even if something as simple as turning this green, and people will do it until they're blue in the face. Know, you know, yeah. so yeah, that's part of it is yeah. making it fun and yeah. making it something that people are looking to strive to do. So it's it works yeah. in cars. It works in buildings. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do is bring that awareness. And then once people see that, you know, we're helping get their data in. We're helping manage that. If they're looking for getting projects done, we're helping them find the right contractors. And then, you know, one of the biggest things that the challenge does, I think, in terms of providing value to the participants is when you do a project, did you get the savings out of the project that you expected? Uh, it's one thing to, you know, upgrade your HVAC system, for instance, but it wasn't installed properly or wasn't commissioned properly or you're not operating it the correct way. You don't necessarily see the savings that you projected. And if you're not looking for that, you won't know. Right. And so that helps people make sure that, you know, that they spend money to do something the right way that we're actually going to get the savings that we you know expected back out of it. Well, that's awesome. So um, people with either new construction or old construction, um, if they just take a beat and a moment to think about uh, the overall savings at the end of the project. That's right. Yeah. It's really important, I think, for whether you're looking at a home or you're looking at a commercial structure, you know, a lot of people really fret, um, and understandably so, about upfront cost. And that is very important. But we also have to look at total life cycle cost, right? You know, and total cost of operation. If I can get a building really cheaply, but it's going to cost me through the nose to operate that thing because it's so inefficient and the utilities right. are going to be really high... It's not necessarily the best investment for me. 
Um, and you know, right now, especially on commercial properties, there's actually not a good way for you to know that, right? You can ask for utility bills, uh, but you don't know that the previous tenant was going to did in that building what you plan to do in that building. And so you also see some cities around the country, uh, even uh, quite a few here in the Southeast, look at uh, labeling legislation. So what that means is, you know, just like how would you go into a restaurant sure. and you have a health rating is that when you go into a commercial facility, especially if you're trying to buy and or rent, there's an independent third party rating to say, this is how efficient this building is right. uh, for its type. And that way, you know, like, am I, it is well, something I want to do. do it for every appliance you buy at Lowe's because right. people are concerned about that, yep. you know, because it comes down to dollars and cents. That's right. Yeah. And if you know that, yeah. you're much more likely, you know, to make different decisions. Now, you may still buy an efficient property, but at least you will understand what right. you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Having the uh, knowledge ahead of time. That's right. And that's, you know, that goes back to, that's a policy, right? That's something that we had to... Uh, put in place whether that be kind of a city target that the city is going to require that's like what the city of Atlanta does um, they actually require that to be uh, posted or at least publicly available that information okay. um, and or or at the state level so some states have actually just mandated it from from the state level you know you hear the word mandate and a lot of people turn the other way and think oh that's that's you know we don't do mandates uh, but in cases like this I think it's really important for people to understand that what we're mandating here is to make sure that the market has information. Right. Like the market can't operate effectively as it was intended if the market is just missing very valuable pieces of information. And so it's not a mandate making people do anything. It's a mandate to make sure that you're going to have the information you need to make good decisions. Wouldn't it be awesome if Alabama could lead? <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. That would be awesome. It would be, it would be rare, but we can do it. We can do it. There you go. <laughs> Cheers to that. Okay, so how can people support Energy Alabama or get involved, um, become an advocate? Yeah, we need people power, no doubt about it. I mean, we have a lot of challenges here in the state. Um, and so there are things that you can do, uh, both individually and, in your, in, you know, in your life. But, but more importantly than that, we need people to be taking action. And so, you know, like we have a lot of resources on our website about things that, you know, we would ask of our local leaders, things that we would ask of our state leaders. We need people to be taking those actions, contacting their okay. city leaders, their local utility, uh, things like that. So we have all those resources on our website. Uh, of course, you know, I have to put the plug out there for people to join and become yes, a member. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have individual memberships. Uh, you know, we. And it uh, wasn't much. No, it's not yeah, not much yeah, at all. Yeah. So I mean, memberships start at five bucks. Yeah. You know, and so that. Uh, more so than the money is is about you know making sure that your voice is heard like when we go and speak to legislators or we go and speak to leaders that we know hey we have you know x hundred of people that live in your district that are asking for these types of changes to be made right so this this whole idea of people power it really is yeah. uh, what comes out of membership uh, and then of course we also have corporate membership as well so if your company um, is, is dedicated to this type of work or you're, you know, have values that really uh, hit on sustainability and trying to do right uh, by our community, you know, we encourage you to do that too. But yeah, all these resources are available on our website. So just check it out, energyalabama.org. So, you know, just go there, check it out. There's a whole section about okay. taking action. Even if you don't join us, right, <laughs> there are tons of things you can do to, yeah. to make this community and this state a better place. And so we'll hope you'll do that. 
And do you have uh, projects coming up or? Um... Well, we do, ha we do have some. Uh, we have, of course, the Energy Freedom Alabama, uh, um, uh, kind of a push that we're doing to, to, le to legalize kind of some of the competition and uh, the power purchase yeah. agreements that we talked about. So we got some information there. That's going to be unrolling here in the next few days. Okay. Maybe even uh, have already unrolled by the time this airs okay. or for, for your <laughs> listeners. So the, all that information will be there about what they can do as part of that campaign. Of course, we're always doing stuff in the community, so we'll have you know events up if we're that'll be all on the website. Yeah, speaking somewhere, okay. or for that matter, you know, we're always happy if 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 you have listeners or people that you know say it would be really, really be great if you would come speak to this community group that I'm involved okay. in. You know, please reach out and let us know. We're always happy to... And educators can yep. also just reach out and say, hey, can you come to the school? And sure can. And yeah. really, uh, I'm really glad you brought up educators. We have a whole section on our website. We, we have uh, energy-related lesson plans that are oh, built, wow. you know, especially we have a oh, lot for K-6, yeah. you know, and they can just go on there and download them and use them. You don't need us to be in the middle to, to do excellent work in the in the classroom. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, definitely take a look at those resources and use them if, if they're helpful. Yeah. Well, Daniel, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. So much I can always John. preach the gospel about sustainable energy, so <laughs> it's so easy for awesome. me to do. Thanks for joining us here today for Talking Travel with Wendy.